0: Hey, everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. At the beginning living in the glory of God, Adam and Eve, without a sin nature, fell from that glorious place. And they were seduced by the serpent in the garden, his lies, which was basically telling Eve and Adam, by knowledge from that tree... Although God told you not to eat from it. By knowledge that that tree offers, you will be like God. You'll be like God. And we know that that's what caused Satan's fall. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be ascended higher than, And so because he fell, he hates anything that manifests that glorious imagery of God That all of creation, including all the angelic host, was intended to reveal. The pure reflection of the goodness of God revealed in liberty and freedom given by God. Satan hates that above all things. And that's why he was and is hell-bent on seducing and lying and destroying the image of God in all of God's creation, but especially In God's highest creation Humanity The young or old And so Adam and Eve Listened to the serpent And they fell From that glorious place But God Chose to provide for the fallen Even then To shorten it up He calls Abram And he says come with me Go to a land I will show you and I will bless you and I will, through you, bless all the nations on earth because you believed. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and because he believed God, it doesn't say he believed, he already believed in God. But he not only believed in God, he believed God. God told him something, Abraham believed it and God credited unearned, Adam as righteous in God's eyes because he believed God. It was credited to him. When the Apostle Paul uses an illustration of a Bible character and encounter to explain how we are made righteous in God's eyes, he doesn't use a prophet. He didn't use Jeremiah or Daniel. He didn't use Job. He didn't use Moses. He used Abraham in the moment when Abraham believed, apart from working and for belief, God credited it to him as being right with God. Mm -hmm. 400 years later, God hears the cries of his people, the people of Abraham who are in bondage in Egypt, and he calls Moses, we've been there, right? He calls Moses at the burning bush What an encounter. And he sends him. I'm sending you. I will be with you. And I will display my power through Egypt and to Pharaoh. And I will bring my people out. And the sign that it was me, you will meet me again on Mount Sinai. And you will worship God here with those people. And last week we went there. And God came down on Mount Sinai. And he chooses a people. And we use this. After the survival of Noah's family, the nations began to multiply. And basically, apart from Noah's line, they said this, let's make our own way to heaven. Let's make a name for ourselves. And God came down and scattered the nations. But he chose Abram. And it went from this wide open space to the funnel effect through Abram. And now we are in the parentheses of the 430 years after Abraham's promise, the parentheses then will be that God will select a nation, give them a law, commandments, to teach them his ways, to school them in the plan of holiness, to to be a different kind of people on the earth, to bear witness to the living, true God and he teaches them in the tabernacle and in the commandments, the picture of his plan to save all the nations. He provides a means for forgiveness in the old covenant. He provides a means to fellowship with him and, and to have an identity in him. And centuries go by, and we find out in the history of Israel, they failed this mission. They failed this mission, but God knew that, and announced before the parentheses that God would, through a son of Abraham, through a son of Abraham, who would come from the line of Israel, when it came down to the fact that there was, it was so narrow that nobody was righteous. But God promised that something would happen and someone would come and that individual would come and what he would do would flip the funnel and by the messiah and what he would do would open the funnel to all nations again so god could have an encounter with everyone who would believe the message so we are going there with jesus the sinners aren't you glad you're not one of those (laughs) jesus the sinners and the funnel of favor. So I wanna take you to a letter that Paul wrote in, to the Corinthians, the second one, and he describes this time that the prophets had spoken of as being, ha- as being a happening in their time. And Paul writes, as God's coworkers, just like Moses, God said, I'm gonna send you, I'll be with you. It's always been that way. It's with God sending a certain person, God sending a people, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace or favor in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Would you say that with me? Now is the time of God's favor. What time is it? (laughs) 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 The time. <laughs> 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 Woo! Hey, pass the, pass the coffee around a little bit. <laughs> now is the time of what? God's fear. Now is the day of salvation. The word day doesn't just mean a day. It means we're in a period of time. There is a now time. That's been going on before now. But a now time, meaning there was a a time before that now began, which was was a then. And in the then time, there was the opening where the nations turned, the selection of Abram to turn the nations, selecting a nation from Abraham as a parenthesis to teach and promise out of that parenthesis people, one would come. And they pointed to the time when all the then would become the now. Because in the now time, there something would happen that would flip and make, instead of judgment, would make the now time a time of favor and a time of exodus for anyone living who would believe whatever would come in that now time. In the time of my favor, God says, I heard you. Notice the themes. There's a time. There's an offer in the time. There's an offer of deliverance and salvation that's like Exodus but better. In this time, that a decision by every person, regardless of whether you're a Jew or a non-Jew, whether you know anything about Moses, whether you know anything about Noah, whether you know anything about the Bible... In this now time, all you have to do is when you hear whatever this message is in the now, you believe it, and it will open up in your life the funnel of the favor of God. And Paul says, and he's writing this, and he's writing basically to people who, did not get, who didn't have the heritage of the school of Moses or the Ten Commandments. These people are living out in the scattered world of the diaspora, in the Roman Empire and they had worshiped idols, they they had so far gone away. They were the descendants of the open funnel before they said, hey, I got an idea, let's make our own religion. It's them, it's their descendants. It's their descendants. These are unlit stars that God showed Abraham prophetically and said they're gonna become like the stars that are lit all over the world. Now is that time a promised one would come. Through the funnel teaching, a promised one would come who would crush the serpent's dominion over all lost people, if they'd believe. That there would be a descendant of Abraham who would come from heaven and light up the people of the nations like the stars in the night sky. He would flip it. And the glory that would come in that human being, the glory that would come through him, would then bring people back into that kind of human form in glory that they had lost. God, as Paul says it, simply, was in Christ. The fullness of time opens the funnel of favor. Look what Paul says in the next verse we're going to show. But when the right time came, God sent his son who was born of a woman Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do We yada, 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 too many amazing things. God sent his son, born of a woman. Notice this is a born of a man and woman. That'll make you stop for a minute, won't it? Born and lived under the law that we've talked about. God did this. Why? So he could exodus those who were under that law so we could become his children notice the similarity to abraham's story a woman gives birth from a promise of a power beyond her ability abraham nor sarah could give birth to their child could not do it without god and mary couldn't do it without a man how would they do it Yahweh would breathe his covenant power name into the name of Abram and into the name of Sarai to make it Abraham and Sarah. It would be a God-breath action. The ruach of God, the Hebrew word for wind and spirit and breath. The pneuma of God, the Greek word for wind and spirit and breath would be the very same thing that the angel would say to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Therefore, what will be born in you will be a holy thing, and he'll be called the Son of God. Notice the similarity. Moses' mother puts Moses in a basket in the Nile to save his life, and the source of life in the Egyptian mind was the river of the Nile. And Moses is drawn out. That's what his name means, to be drawn out of the water. And they named him Moses. He was drawn out of the water, and he was protected in the king's house. Jesus would be protected from King Herod's murderous plots and then would go to Egypt, come up out of Egypt, just like the sons of Israel did. He'd be walking in that path in a personified form. And then he goes into the water, comes up out of the water, identifying with sinners, and the Holy Spirit comes on him and he is the sent one. To offer an exodus greater than the power that was released in the time of the exodus led by Moses. Jesus will be empowered by the Spirit. He will be called the Lamb of God and he will die as the Lamb, picturing Passover at a greater dimension for all nations. The offerings each year of the Lamb would indicate and God was teaching Israel to be prepared for the one to come. And the time at Sinai was a parenthesis of that where Paul then later explains to the Galatian church who fell back into the law instead of walking in this newness of favor. And he says, the law isn't based on faith. I don't have this on the screen, I'm just gonna share it with you. Its promises come to people who have to obey its commands. But Christ rescued us from the law's curse when he became a curse in our place. This is because the scriptures say, anyone who is nailed to a tree is under a curse. What I'm saying is that the law cannot change or cancel God's promise made 430 years before. Here's the law. Let's just say that's 430 years. He says to Abram here, follow me. I'll take you to a place. I'll make your name great. I'll I'll bless all the nations through you. And through you, all the people of the earth will be blessed. Through your body, through your descendants, someone in this. Okay? So the, the, the parentheses of Israel comes after that promise. The parentheses is an instruction to a people who will bring the one who will then flip and take us to the promise that was to Abraham, not to Moses, not for obeying the law, but believing like Abraham believed in the one who can turn things that aren't into something they could never be, who can bring birth to something when there is no ability within us to bring birth to anything in God's eyes in the midst of all kinds of attempts to be made right in the God that is, or the God we create and want to be. It will all fall short because there is only one kind of righteousness, and it's this. Whatever God calls you right, that makes you right. You're only right because God calls you right. But the right God calls you, he only accepts one way. And that's trusting what he said. Trusting in his promise. He could say, everybody in the world has to come and stand in the property of, good luck with that, uh, Moss Avenue. And for anyone who does that, I'm going to declare you righteous. No matter what kind of world you are, no matter what kind of life you're living, you get in that spot that I say go to and I will declare you righteous. And if I declare you righteous, it doesn't matter what anybody else declares you. But God is holy and he has different plans. I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible. Righteousness is declared by God. Concerning a revelation of a promise he makes and for those who trust it he calls you righteous and then breathes into your life That's the gospel This is what God did uh, through Jesus The scriptures say that sin controls every person so God promised through Christ to break sins control off of our life and the law was there to teach us that we were all controlled by sin that was the lesson. And that the sacrifice of bulls and goats could never take it away. But we're pointing, they would point to something that someday promised would be something that would happen that would take it away so that we could be baptized and clothed in the glory of God that we had, that Adam and Eve had before they listened to the serpent. Jesus came in human flesh to condemn sin in the flesh, not condemn sinners. He condemned sin in the flesh by taking the toxicity and the penalty of it on himself, buried it, and killed it in his death. He condemned sin in his death so that you don't have to condemn yourself in your life with God. Condemnation is gone. For those who are in Christ Jesus, He flipped the funnel. And the great thing is, when He ascended, and He went that way, the work of ascension and His blood and His righteousness, credited to believers, went this way. And so, this funnel, you know how wide this funnel is? infinitely but it only comes into the life of people who believe here's what the scripture says in Galatians 4 4 since you're God's children God sent the spirit of his son into your heart and the spirit cries out father so now you're not a slave you're God's child and God will give you the blessing he promised because you are his child What's so great about God when you read the Old Testament is the Lord says he knows the end from the beginning because he's in time and space but outside time of space and he has seen the end. He's already told us the end, hasn't he? He already told us before it begins. But to him, it's just one thing. It's like he's looking at a mural of all things and he sees it all. And he announces before it happens as if it's happening. And the prophets get a hold of that and they just about lose their minds trying to figure out when is the time of this? When is the time of this? God's talking like it's soon. And when Isaiah gets it, they're 600 years away still. When Jeremiah gets it, they are 500 years away still, but in God's soon, it's like, soon. When Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon, it's soon to him. When you're looking out over the whole thing and you see the end from the beginning, you're trying to say, listen, I'm coming soon. (laughs) Oh, he's never coming, because I live in time and space. God lives outside, and so when God announces the I am, he means I am, I am there, I'm there, I'm there, I am there, this is a done deal. Isaiah announced this like it's a done deal and it hasn't even happened. Six centuries will pass before the done deal is born. And these guys are bursting at the seams. Here's an instance in Isaiah chapter 40. God is saying to Isaiah to preach this thing that someone is going to get down in the centuries. It'll be John the Baptist. I wonder what denomination John the Baptist was before he was a Baptist. John the Baptizer. He wasn't a Baptist. Thank God. He was a baptizer. John the baptizer is reading Isaiah. Imagine this. Imagine being this person that Isaiah is describing to do this thing 600 years before. Isaiah says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended. She's not even got into Babylonian captivity yet when this is said her warfare has ended her iniquity has been removed not covered removed what what do you mean removed nothing's ever removed and even in the day of atonement nothing what do you mean removed that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins and he goes on saying make the valleys lift up the valleys smooth the roads say this what do I say the voice says, what do I say I can imagine John reading this and realizing he was born to in the Bible and I could picture him reading it and going at the same time he reads it, what do I say? That, I believe, is what took place in his life. That, in a similar way, is what I believe is supposed to take in our life. As we read the Word and the Word who wrote it is in us, and as we find our identity in the collective part of the community of God, we read certain things and it's like it's the, it, it was for all, but it's like, that's mine. That's me. This is my steps. This is what God is saying to my life. That's for all of us. That's a close encounter of the God kind. Let me get back to my message real quick. (laughs) The Spirit of God was going to come in this close encounter and and, and bring comfort. He was going to be tender with people. There was going to be a God with us that that nobody had ever known. A type of God with us that you couldn't even understand. And then he gives the imagery that goes back to what God said on Mount Sinai. Remember when he said, I carried you on eagle's wings out of Egypt? Look what Isaiah says, God says, in the end of the 40th chapter. That this good news that the warfare is over, the enemy defeated, the penalty was paid, kindness was coming, would create in them hope. And look what the promise is. Those who wait for the Lord in hope will gain new strength. They, now get this, got to read the Bible closely. On Sinai, God said, I m- mounted you up on wings of eagles. This doesn't say that. This says, they will mount up. Do you see that? you see it? They will mount up. Meaning, something's going to happen in the comfort and closeness of God, in the kindness and the message that is going to empower you from within to mount up they will run and not get tired they will walk and not become weary God gives them an inherent power to mount up what is going to happen to make this happen a hundred years pass and Jeremiah the prophet has a dream and in his dream He he tells us what God says to him. Look what he says. Thus says the Lord. Now, Jeremiah is literally dreaming. It's probably sleep at night, whatever. He's dreaming. Thus says the Lord. The people who survived the sword found grace. They they hadn't even gotten into the sword yet. The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when it went out to find its rest. The Lord appeared to him from afar saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Do you see the picture of the funnel of favor? Who God is? Way back from Jeremiah's time, God showed Moses. I didn't have time to get into that one. I wish I did. He's up on the mountain. He says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And all I've seen so far is fire shaking them out. And I fear with a great fear. Everybody's like, don't let him talk. You listen to him. And then you tell us what he says. This is freaky. as. Scared to death. Moses says, Show me your glory. And when God shows him his glory, he announces his character. He says, I am slow to anger. I'm abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness to a thousand generations. But you can't see my face because they can't see my face. I have to hide you in a place. But what the Apostle John says and I'll talk about this next week is that they say we saw the face of the glory of God in Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> Jeremiah is dreaming and he's listening to God talk about this compassion and graciousness and showing loving kindness and, his, and, and then he goes on to talk about this, this closeness of hope and this jubilation that, that will actually cause people to dance. In such joy dance and all of these things will not come because people get into a place of becoming what they're supposed to be becoming it it, it flipped it something took place outside of them and God's announcing it and because something takes place outside of them God says this I again meaning there was a time and they lost the time and now it's an again And he says, again, look what he says, I will build you. Again, you will be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Listen, they they weren't even close to virgin. They were in love with all kinds of gods and goddesses, mingled in and mixed with the Canaanite nations, the Egyptian nations, the Babylonian, the Assyrian, all of them. There, were, there was nothing about, as a matter of fact, Ezekiel gets very graphic. I won't go there because it's morning church. But if you read Ezekiel, he had the permission to say it like it was from God, and they weren't anywhere described like being virgins. But here something's ta- happened. And God says, I will rebuild you, O virgin of Israel. Friend, when the blood of Jesus Christ, not the blood of bulls, and go- when the blood of the king of heaven, When you stand in his blood, there is no sin in sight. You are purified in the blood of Jesus. Once and for all time. Now folks, we're going to have to figure that one out because we don't act like that or preach like that. But that's how God sees it. Again, you will take up your tambourines. Did you bring them? (laughs) Well, Well, we don't... We are... Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And go forth to the dances of the merrymakers. Merrymakers. Imagine how weird you'd be thought of if you started a new church and called it the merrymakers church. People would be like, weirdos. (laughs) We take God seriously in our church. (laughs) And the virgin will rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old men together. For I will turn your mourning into joy. Doesn't that describe church in America every Sunday morning? Doesn't that just pretty much describe it? Uh, God said, and I will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow. For I sat, this is God talking about himself. It's like when you're awake, you're all biblical you you got your own biblical views and you're so wigged out and you're so messed up with it all. I'm gonna sneak up in your dreams and I'm gonna tell you who I really am in your dreams. I satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. And I love this, the next line. Jeremiah says, After this I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. He wakes up and he goes, It wasn't. It wasn't my my pillow. It wasn't. It was God. It was God. I can picture my brother Jeremiah waking up going, have you ever woken up in the middle of something? Have you ever had a weird dream, a scary dream? You wake up, you're like, oh my, I'm so glad that was a dream. Did you ever dream and think it was so real? And it's like, I'm doomed. And you wait, you go, oh, thank God that was a dream. Right? And I'm not just talking about when you'd go to tr- school without... Anything on but your skibbies. Remember that? Did you ever have that dream? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) After this, I woke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. And so the prophets were getting these inklings, and they just couldn't wait. Can you imagine? You think it's right around the bend? Jesus is coming soon. But don't put his soon and your soon or my soon. For a day with the Lord is as a thousand years... In a thousand years is as a day with the Lord. I don't know what day he's on. So imagine centuries going by. And, the, and, and this building up in the people. The hope, the anticipation, the expectation. The crying out, where are you God and where is this one? And then one night in Bethlehem. The angels have a sky break. They come into manifestation of sight. And suddenly there appears with the angel a multitude of the heavenly armies praising God and saying, and it's not Christmas, all right, but this it'd be good to read the Christmas stuff through in the summer too. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he's pleased. The funnel is open. The angels long to announce it. We don't see much about angels in the Bible, but when we see these pictures, there are these small windows that have huge meaning in them. What we do know is that the angels of God look into the affairs of the kingdom of God. Whenever the gospel is preached, Peter said angels long to look in. That means if you're not preaching the gospel in church, the angels aren't looking. They're bored. But when you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the church, the angels are there because they have pulled their swords, they're stopping the darkness, allowing you to plant the seed in the life of somebody else because they're all about the kingdom of God on earth, yeah. not just in heaven. And they're warring in the heavenlies for us. I don't know, understand all that. Each one of us has an angel Jesus said that don't despise the little ones who believe in me, for their angel is always beholding the face of my father in heaven. Their angel. When Peter, they thought they when Peter was arrested and he comes to the door knocking after the Lord gets him out of jail, and he knocks on the door of the church, they look at him in at the door and they don't believe it's him. I mean, they prayed for God to do it, and when God did it, they couldn't believe He did it, and they said, "Well, maybe it's His angel." And they didn't go, what are you talking about? We don't believe in that. They, they were like, oh, well, maybe. There, there's a, there was an understanding that we have our own angel. And the Bible says they are ministering spirits, listen, sent to help those who will inherit salvation. So if you're in the blood, you're redeemed, you're in the funnel of favor, you can know. I don't talk to them. I, I, just, I just thank God for them. I'm not going to start a denomination on angel worship or anything like that but I've had people tell me stuff that I don't have time to go into it about things they've seen when we've been in church before from, and, and most of them when it's somebody my age or whatever I kind of go, okay, thanks. Yes. But, but, when it's, but when it's little kids I've had little kids tell their parents that when at different times when they're sitting out there that when I was preaching they, they got in the car and said who are those two big giant men standing next to Pastor Tim when he was preaching today? And I was just like, "Whoo, man. I hope that's all the time. Each church, according to the book of Revelation, has at least one angel. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. To the angel. And there's a lot of uh, debate on that. But I, I believe in that. They break into time and space. The Lord said that, that all the angels... Rejoice even when one sinner turns to God. I mean, they are actively engaged, passionately looking into the affairs of men, but mostly the church. And if you're blood-bought and the Spirit of God is in you, they are more respectful and revere who you are than you do and I do or the church does or anyone does. They get it. They know the Prince of Heaven has touched your life. I bet you they spend so much time going, that dude doesn't know who he is. That dude doesn't know who his father is. Why does he limit God so much in his life? Why does he pray stupid prayers? Whoa, you know what I'm saying? (coughs) So he's flipped the funnel. And who, who qualifies for this outpouring of favor. Because listen, this outpouring of favor, and the reason why so many people miss it is because it's given and not earned. It's given and not deserved. This is a favor. Paul tries to say this. This is what got Paul in trouble when he said, those who work their job Don't get their wages based on a favor, but what is due. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is those who are ungodly and do not work, who believe the gospel of the godly one who brought the work so the funnel could be opened, they believe it, God will call things that are not as though they are. And if God says you're justified who can say you're condemned if god declares you righteous who can condemn you and besides that the god who declares a person righteous gave his own son to die to condemn my sin in the flesh and bury it forevermore and when he comes out of the grave, I come out of the grave with him, and I am now ascended in the spirit with Jesus, with the same spirit in him, that, that it's placed on and in my life, the blood of, that came from Emmanuel's veins. I stand in that blood. I'm surrounded by the candlesticks of the Holy Spirit and Christ is in the center saying, I take you by the hand. You are mine. That's everyone from the least in the kingdom to the greatest in the kingdom. If you've been saved five minutes, you have a greater standing than John the baptizer. Five minutes, one minute. Who qualifies for this favor? In the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus, and he opened the book and found the place. You know why he found this place? Because it was time. Imagine what the angels were thinking, boys. It's time. It's time. This whole home church in Nazareth. He grew up here. He was in shine kids here. I mean, if they're, God, they're all about to do a Holy Ghost celebration. I bet the tambourines are going to bust wide open. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? He has anointed me or given me the power to preach the good news to the poor. Those who do not have the ability to redeem their life before God, they are completely bankrupt with nobody coming. I've paid it, and so I'm here to say to people who can't pay it I have good news for you. The Spirit's on me to do this for you. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Just, pre- just say it. He sent me so the blind can have their sight recovered. He has sent me to those who are oppressed. The weight of whatever, the weight of the law, the weight of guilt, the weight of satanic uh, uh, torment, the weight of regret, the weight of years of life, uh, the weight that people have put, all of it, all that. I have come, I have come to free you from that and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. See, God's days and years are a lot longer than ours. We are still in the day. We are in that very same day. In God's eyes, in Jesus' eyes, in the Holy Spirit's eyes, in the angels' eyes, it's exactly, exactly the same time now as it was right there. Right there. And it is not Mount Sinai time. It is not the fall time. It's the favor time. And then he says, well, let me, let me just say this. This ministry would come upon people. Listen closely. Remember how I said God carried them on, on his wings? But then Isaiah said there'd be a time when the people would have an inherent ability to, to mount up. It's not on their own. They're not their own gods. They're mounting up in the comfort of God in them to, to, to rise up, have new strength. What Jesus is saying here, the spirit's on him, but he's also he's meaning the spirit isn't on you. You have the Bible, you have the scripture, you have the truth, but you don't have the spirit on you, and you definitely don't have it in you, him in you. And even when he releases ministry in his ministry, the spirit is coming on people, the work of these things are coming on people, but that is still not the, the, the best, because Jesus said that something would happen after that, it would be better that he leaves, Because when he leaves, it wouldn't be that the Spirit would come on. The Spirit would come in. The Spirit would come in. And then we all become little Jesus's, Christos, mobile temples, out into wherever this funnel is to be poured out. 1 to 12, to 70, to 120 to churches all over the world mobile instead of an audience once a week sent by God like Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Gideon and Samuel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and John and Peter and Thaddeus and James and Philip all of us you will receive power the kingdom of God come. The will of God be done. Physical healings were road signs, not goals. When Jesus did physical healings, he did them for the people, but they were not signs, they were goals, because Jesus heals blinded eyes so that those who don't get their eyes opened physically, he came to open the eyes of every person's soul spiritually so you could see who God is and how he really sees you. God's goals are to open the eyes of the soul, heal the hearts and not just the limbs. Soul justice is more important to God than social justice. Because without soul justice, social justice will be perverted. Without soul healing, We look for things we think we need that will fix people, things, nations, systems. Blind men can only do so much. But when the one who takes sight and gives sight to the blind, that's a whole different thing. He says all this, he closes the book, he gives it back to the attendant, he sits down, and the eyes of the whole synagogue are fixed on him. And he begins to say this to them. I love this. Today, the Bible will work in your church if you hear it. Well, they all heard it, but some immediately started. They had their church spirit on. So they said, "Isn't this Joseph's son? I taught him, and he played on my softball team left field. What's he trying to say?" Well, oh, the big guy didn't preach today, the second guy preached, so what's he got to say? Isn't this church religious spirits? Experts at what we know about God. God can't have another new day. We know what today is. Strike up the band one, two, three, four at the most. That was good, but. And he looks at them and he says, today, in your hearing, the whole Bible, from here to here, if you hear it, it will flip in your life. I, write, I wrote this down I remind myself of this every night At 8pm We honor the Lord by receiving What he has purchased and promised Not by pushing it away And this morning Just like here Jesus goes on to say And what he says gets him They take him Church kid Grew up with him They take the church kid Who assumed an anointing Greater than they had Insight greater than they had and they took him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off and he turns and he says I think God just won't let you do that to me today but before they threw him off the cliff this is why they wanted to throw him off the cliff because he said there were all these widows in the land of Israel but God sent the prophet to a Syrophoenician widow and fed her There were all kinds of lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha, but he was only sent to Naaman the Syrian. And what Jesus was saying was, you guys, because you are stuck in the parentheses, are going to miss everything the parentheses pointed to, and you're in this moment. But what you're gonna do, because you won't hear, because you're blocked by the way you see the word and you're blocked by the religious spirit of your culture, you're going to block the funnel. How do we receive the favor that God wants to give? He wanted to give this to them. He was was sent there first. He went to his home church first. here's, here's, Here's how we receive it. Humble enough to hear God's word. I always pray that I I will not get gripped by the religious spirit. It's hard when you, you know, I try not to listen to a whole lot of preaching and a whole lot of stuff all the time because it just becomes like, I mean, there's some things that are sacred, some things that are special. I don't want to tell everybody everything God speaks to my heart that I write in my journal and blab it out. Then it loses its value. I think, I feel, I know, blah, 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 blah. Cherish it, man. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Honor enough to hear God's word. Humility to face my need. Humility to receive his favors. we honor the lord by receiving what he purchased and promised not by pushing it away he offered this beautiful ministry of grace to everyone there but he was only sent to the ones that his father knew in advance would make a space to receive him in humility and that's what god wants to do for us today all these close encounters that where we've been and, and this, this the desire to to frame these images all the way through to lead us to this funnel moment where we'll either stay in the funnel this way or we'll allow Jesus to flip it for us. For Whether it's the synagogue ruler or the person that rolled the scrolls back up. I mean, did he need the ministry? I mean, did he need the ministry? Just old parry Joe Schmo or whatever or Mary Sue, whatever that, you know, that poor old sinning soul out there in, he looked at all of them and said, do you have trouble seeing that God loves you? I can heal your sight. Do you have trouble believing that God thinks you're beautiful? I can heal your sight. You who have carried in secret the, the, the things that grip your life that if you told most of the church wouldn't want to fellowship with you anymore and you happen to do you realize he he offered deliverance ministry at church he wasn't out on the street he didn't get down to the pool hall he was at the church i've come to set captives free i've come to set promised land people who are prisoners in the promised land into the real promises of God. And you want the fulfillment of the word activated in your life? Hear it. (coughs) Does your spiritual freedom match the promised freedom that God offers us? I want to pray for three people today. And here's the first one. I want to pray for you and for me to have clear eyes. Heavenly Father, unless we see it, we won't believe it. And there are many people who want to believe it so badly, but they just can't see it. And I want everyone like that in this room to know God does not condemn you. God does not think less of you. But God asks you to say to him, Lord, I have a very difficult time seeing you with a fatherly heart toward me. I have a very difficult time seeing me as beautifully and wonderfully made in your image. My inner images and pictures not only influence my life in a, in a way that paralyzes me, but I also see that wound in others and it affects how I see other people. Lord, I confess to you, I have a problem with seeing. And I ask you today, I hear you, I hear you. Release to me an anointing that gives sight to my blindness. Lord, I just pray right now that just like with Saul, that the scales, as as Saul said, the Apostle Paul Something like scales fell off his eyes. Lord, I'm believing right now that you are releasing an anointing in the Spirit to people of the Spirit to take the scales off their inner eyesight, that they would see the light of the beauty of your grace Coming up like a like a, a spring of water in their soul, Lord, I pray for people who are broken in their heart, and because of the brokenness and the traumas, they are bound—not in their relationship with you, but in. In their action and faith to believe and receive, their heart is broken. Their heart, their inner soul is bruised. And the trauma of it continues and testifies, keeps them from stepping into things to even consider dancing with joy. It almost is a tormenting thing. It's almost something that You'd rather not even think about. When, when, you, when you hear about joy and being happy, it, it, only God knows what that does to your heart. And he doesn't condemn you. He's come to the house. He's come to your house. And he's opened the scroll with, with the oil of the Holy Spirit all over him. And he says to spiritual people, I have come to heal your broken heart. Would you tell Jesus that behind the veneer of strong warrior masculinity, perhaps, that you would be honest and humble and say, God, when it comes to my heart where the wellspring of life is, I, I I I don't even know if there's any water in there. To expand my lungs in praise, I I, I don't and he comes to gift you. He comes to gift you to heal your broken. Heart. If you want him to touch your heart, would you touch your heart right now? Touch your touch the place of your heart. In the simple faith, I pray for you that the Lord would begin to fill your heart with peace and comfort. And joy. some of the things you're chasing after to fill your heart. You, you're the first to know. You're the first to say, this isn't good for me. But it's because my heart is empty. I've been convinced that this can make it better. But it doesn't. It just makes it worse. Jesus sees you today. And Jesus doesn't condemn you. He just says, would you allow me Would you allow me to be the keeper of your heart? Let me heal it. Let me start healing your heart today. The Spirit of the Lord is on Him to heal the broken heart. And today, if you will hear this, He will fulfill it in your life. And thirdly, For those who've, that favor is a doctrine, favor is a biblical principle, favor is an idea, and God wants to make it a reality. And you would say, Lord, I want to live the rest of my years in the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to ask those of you who, who are open to this, and before I ask everybody else to stand, I'm going to ask you to, in a step of faith, to stand from where you, to stand up on your feet. I had the Lord say this to me one time after a long season of of weary warfare that I just felt I started to believe certain things that would, would, would have paralyzed my ministry and paralyzed my life. Not outwardly, but inwardly. And one day the Lord, and I'll just I'll just tell you, He just said to me, "Stand to your feet and take your shoes off and stand in my blood." And as I stood in the blood of Jesus, He showed me the candlesticks of God surrounding my life, blazing hot. And he looked at me and he took me by the hand, and he grabbed my hand, and he said, You are loved by my Father. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. When you were a young man, I opened your eyes to the power of my cross, to the power of an empty tomb. You experienced the powers of the ages to come. You are mine. I have opened wide the gate for your life, and I call you and encourage you to come into Zion. Don't stand outside. And come in because you will be a warrior, and I will put my words in you. And man, I'll tell you what, that did wonders for me. I'm still living off that moment with God. I can't promise you that moment and I can't transfer that moment. But I know this, I know what it's like to think that the, 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 the best days of your life were behind you. And I want, I'm here to tell you that these people lived for centuries and thought the God of Moses was dead, the God of Abraham was way back when. And the God of Abraham sat right in front of them opened the Bible and said, Today is Bible day, if you hear it. I want you to stand, if you would say, Lord, in a crazy... People might think I'm crazy, but I am tired of living outside of the land of promise. I am tired of being a son and a daughter and living like a slave or feeling like a slave. I'm tired of fear in my life. I want your perfect love to drive this fear out of my life where i can't even find it if i looked for it i want you to release on my life the year of the lord's favor and if i'm the only one i'm I'm standing right now i'm going to stand up and i'm going to lift up my heart before you and i'm going to allow you to favor my life and the devil will say who do you think you are tell him who you are i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus i am blessed with every spiritual blessing I'm a product of his love. I've been born again by the word of God. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. I've been redeemed by His blood. My Father has kind intentions toward me and I'm going to stand and be amazed at the wondrous glory of His grace. I am born again. I'm kept by the power of God. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit living in my life and I'm bathed in the glory of God and I have the fruit of the Spirit and I'm open to the manifestation gifts of the Spirit and I am a redeemed son. I'm a redeemed daughter and i am saying today is the day of the lord's favor in my life if you will set your heart in agreement with that father god i pray the anointing of the holy spirit would flood down now and come up from within for every person that has the holy spirit on the inside of them i pray like a like a rushing like a rushing flowing wellspring of life that they would begin to leap in the spirit they would begin to see new things are being created all things have been made new that they are a a dwelling place of the lord that they are a child that's been set free that they've been emancipated that the burdens of the enemy and the yoke of darkness is now broken off their life and they would receive, they would receive the favor, the glory, the forgiveness, the redemption, the closeness of God in their life. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.